Hello, welcome to the Arts and Learning Conservatory monthly masterclass series, where we invite industry professionals to share their knowledge and make artistic learning more accessible. If you'd like to learn more or sign up to join our next masterclass live, please visit us at artsandlearning.org. today and my goal is to kind of walk you through a little more advanced technique um, instead of a lot of directors since you guys are kids want you to just smile and project which is really important Um, but for those of you who want to do a little bit more and create a little bit of a fuller more uh, detailed character especially those of you who are older I think probably sometimes you get bored with not having a lot of character work that people can do with you Um, I just want to give you some techniques. What I use, the technique that I use as an adult and other adults I work with every time I'm doing a character. And that's been in a play, like when I, classical, contemporary, it's been in musicals. Yeah, it's even been in, I did like a bit part in a movie that never came out that was very cheap. So don't even ask me about it because you won't see it because it doesn't really exist. So let's talk about character work and development. Wait, first of all, can you guys... Wave your hand if you have like so much experience and you consider yourself a little bit advanced. We'll say intermediate to advanced so you don't feel uh, bad, feel like you're bragging. Okay, cool. Wave your hand if you feel like you're a baby beginner and you need some love. It's okay. It's okay. I love my beginners. Excelente. Okay, so what I'm going to say is if you have questions, like I said, I'm going to try to keep an eyeball on the chat if you want more detail about something or if you don't understand something. I love answering questions. So let's start off. My first, I want to ask you as a question, um, what is your job as an actor? What do we think? Does anybody want to raise their hand or drop something in the chat of what they think it might be? If I said, what are you supposed to do as an actor? What's your job? What do we think? Maddie. I think... Um, probably getting our character across to the viewer or whoever, like whoever is watching. Ding, ding, ding. Your job as an actor is to portray a character because a show, whether that's a musical or whether it's, whether it's on stage or film, I'll say, is to entertain, right? It's either to entertain or to educate people, but your specific job as an actor is to portray your character. And the key phrase that I'm going to throw out that I'm going to keep talking about all the time is your job is to serve the story. So we want to create a character that is not only really great to watch and that we can connect with emotionally and that seems really um, interesting or very tragic or very funny. We want to serve the story because we have a script for a reason. And actually, the script is going to be our very first step in building our character work. Because if it goes against the script, it's no good. We can't do a bunch of work and create a bunch of things and go super detailed on something that doesn't serve the script and doesn't make any sense. And an example of what we might be told in the script, um, we get explicit and implicit information. So explicit means it's out there. They say it. Right, So we know that Belle is from a tiny town where nothing ever happens. We know that Belle doesn't like Gaston. We know that Belle only lives with her dad. I'm choosing Disney characters that I hope most of us know so that none of us are confused. Those are explicit things that we know. We are told those things at some point, told and shown, right? 
They sing a whole song. We know that the villagers don't like Belle and they think she's weird. Those are facts that we are given in the script. And if you were playing Belle, that would just be a fact of your life. Is that you like to read, the townspeople don't like you, you don't like Gaston, and you have only a dad. You don't have a mom. Those are examples of some explicit facts. Implicit is another way to say that something is implied. So the way that you act or if you look at certain subtext under what somebody is saying, that's the implicit information. So we know that Belle doesn't like Gaston, right? We know that. that that's that, sure. What's an implicit thing would be that she's lonely. Can we all agree that Belle is lonely, that she doesn't have friends, right? We can definitely 100% tell that. But does she ever sit there and say, oh, I don't have any friends. She never explicitly says, I don't have friends. We can just tell from her surroundings, from the way that she's acting, that she doesn't have friends. So your job as an actor is to take the explicit information, to take the implicit information, and keep track of it as your facts. Okay? So we can't decide that Belle's backstory is that she really secretly hates her dad, or she really is secretly in love with Gaston. We can't decide that because that is concretely not true. It has to be true with the story, right? Can anybody think of anything else that you know about Belle, whether explicit or implicit? And if you don't feel like talking, you can chat it. If you do feel like talking because you're dying and you're bored, you can raise your hand and I'll call on you and you can speak. Because I know Zoom gets painful. Click through my screens. Do, do, do. Other things that we know about Belle. Either explicit or implicit. Oh, yes, Mallory. I don't know if this is the right princess, but she loves books. Yeah, she loves books. We know that she loves books. I believe she says that she loves books. And even if she didn't say that she loved books, we see her going to the book cart and the guy says, again, Belle? If somebody says you're coming back again, then that tells us, that implies that she's been there a lot, right? Okay. Does anybody have any more? Oh, Maddie, go ahead. So it like, it briefly goes over it in both movies and the musical. Um, she wants to like do bigger things like go to Paris and like travel the world. Yes. And that is actually in a musical. You guys have, we have a cheat that's called the I want song where your character will literally explicitly tell you what they want, what their issue is, what that thing is that they dream of. So bell says, I want much more than this provincial life. Right. Elsa, like in the second movie basically tells us she wants to get out of there. In the first movie, she says, I want to let it go. I want to let everything go and be myself. If any musical, any standard musical that you can think of, there is an I Want song in there. In Little Shop of Horrors, she sings about how she wants to move somewhere that's green and she wants to leave Skid Row. In Wicked, she sings about how she wants to defy gravity and be great and amazing. You, that's our cheat sheet, as we automatically know what their journey is going to be in the show, okay? So we start with facts. It has to be factual or we can't use it. Then... We get to be creative. We take all the facts and we fill in the blanks. Oh, I missed one thing about facts. The setting matters. So when we talk about Belle, right? Way back in the day, 
what could women do? Pretty much nothing. Pretty much anywhere in the world, if you're looking at history, girls, we have it easy. Our struggle is that we're, we're not allowed to do anything. Uh, we can't vote. We can't own property. We can't start our own business. And usually the show is about a woman who wants to do one of those things and not be depending on a man, girl. Okay. And then, of course, she finds a man. But anyway, if we're looking at Belle, we know that she's lonely. We know she doesn't have friends. We get a whole new level of drama if we consider the fact that if Belle doesn't get married, Belle will probably end up on the streets and dead soon. So when Gaston is trying to push her into marrying him and she says no, she's saying no, knowing that she will probably die if she doesn't find a husband. She's literally choosing to starve in the street or die rather than marry Gaston. That makes it a lot more dramatic, don't you think? That's more than, oh, he's a jerk and we don't like him. That's like, I would rather die than be with you. And that adds a whole new level of feeling to your character. So what, what other things do you think uh, might change Belle's feelings a little? What other feelings, I should say? Sorry, I'm a little bit distracted by dogs in the hallway. What other feelings do you think kind of lurk beneath the surface? If you're thinking about the fact that you will have no job, you will have no home, you will have literally nothing and be all by yourself. What other feeling does that kind of give you that maybe she has in her head? Maybe she's a little bit afraid. Would you be afraid if I told you that uh, tomorrow you're not going to have a home or any food or anything? Would that make you afraid? And you weren't allowed to defend yourself or do anything that you wanted to do? Would that also make you angry? See, Belle's an ingenue, but as an actress, you can sit there and say, you know what? I'm going to make her a little bit angry. I'm going to make her frustrated at her circumstances. She's not going to be pretty and prim and proper. And that gives you the opportunity as an actress to get really grimy and get really real feelings and a little more drama than just, I'm a pretty princess and I'm going to sing a song. So we have our facts. Then we get to be creative. We get to have a creative take on something. So let's skip princesses because I'm sick of Belle. Let's go to a new one. Let's go to Elsa from Frozen because that's all my three-year-old wants to watch. So I have, I'm watching Elsa like every day. How, do any of you like Frozen? Has anybody not seen Frozen? Well, I'll ask that. Have you not seen Frozen? Anna, you're killing me, Smalls. I'm just kidding. So Anna, just pretend you know what I'm talking about. You're a great actress. You can do it. It's fine. So Elsa, what's our step one? Facts. What are some facts about Elsa? Just raise your hand. Tell me facts, like concrete facts. Go Maddie. She has powers. She has powers. She has powers. Any more facts? Maggie. Her parents died. Her parents died. Another fact. Britain. She's very stubborn. She's very stubborn. Ooh, you think she's stubborn? Ooh, I like it. Tate. She can't control her powers. She can't control her powers. Very important. And you told me your name. Is it, you're not Maka, but gosh, I keep forgetting. Go ahead. Solana. Um, Solana. She has a sister. She has a sister. Excelente. And you are not Jeremiah, you are somebody else, and I keep forgetting, I'm bad at names. Violet. Violet. 
What? Tell me something about Elsa. What's a fact about Elsa? Um, in the second or first movie. Either one. Um, about Anna. Ooh, you could tell me something about Anna because if you live with somebody, that affects you, right? You know something about Anna? Sure. Um, she got the rock monsters to chase her. Over oh, yep. the bridge. That is something she did. Bela. Elsa's sister can be crazy at times. Oh, yeah. She's a crazy sister. So those, okay, so some facts that we gathered about Elsa then. She has powers. She's not in control of those powers. Her parents are dead. She has a sister that is sometimes kind of annoying to her, right? Uh, another thing that we know is she explicitly says, oh, hey, okay, go ahead, Lauren, before I, before I do it. Go ahead, Lauren, I didn't see you. Um, Jasmine is the palace without being seen. I'm sorry, say it one more time, you cut out. Uh, Princess Jasmine um, got out of the palace without being seen. Oh, that is an example of an accomplishment that Princess Jasmine pulled off, correct? Um, we're going to do Elsa really fast, and then we can skip to other ones, because I'll show you how you can use this trick for literally any character you can think of. And we're doing Disney so that more people know what's going on. So Elsa, she has powers. She can't control those powers. She has dead parents. She has a sister. She says, when she's a little girl in the first movie, right, she says that she doesn't want to hurt anybody. We know that she hurt her sister. Those are facts. We also know that she shuts her sister out, right? that's literally told and shown to us so many times. She's by herself. Go ahead, Bela. Well, her parents kind of told her to shut her out. That's true. That's another important thing is her parents told her to shut her powers off and shut people out and not use her powers. Go ahead, Maddie. Kind of like adding on to what you said, she's afraid of letting people in because she doesn't want to hurt anyone. So she is afraid of letting people in because she doesn't want to hurt anybody. That's like her big core conflict. Um, when she goes to her coronation ceremony, does she look happy about it? She does not. Why do you think that that is? Go Solana. Because she's afraid to hurt everybody. She's afraid to hurt everybody because as Spider-Man, um, Spider-Man's Uncle Ben let us know, with great power comes great responsibility. Go ahead, Bela. Well, you just said she didn't want to hurt anyone. Isn't it worse to actually hurt her sister? Yeah, but that was an accident. So, ooh, we're, see, we're just going to dive deep. We're going to do a Disney princess deep dive, and it's going to blow your mind. So she's alone all the time. That's a fact. Your next job, your big step two is to get creative. Once you have your facts down, get creative and create the why for everything. So we have, um, why is she always alone? Why does she shut people out? We go back to when she hurt her sister, correct? Correct, correct, correct. Why doesn't she wanna be queen? Because she's afraid she's gonna hurt people. Correct, correct, yes, yes. So then when she has to actually come out of her shell and her powers start going haywire and she starts arguing with her sister, 
because she doesn't know how to talk to people, right? Because if you shut people out, do you know how to talk to people? Just like everything else, being social takes practice. Introverts know it's really hard sometimes even just to talk to people. It all takes practice. So she has no practice talking to people. She literally has no idea. She freaks out and she runs away. That is our why. As an actress, I can come up with even more about her if I feel like it. I can create as many things as I want. So what's another, what's another uh, problem she runs into is that her sister wants to get married, right? And she says, no. Why does she say no? Why won't she let her sister get married? Okay, go Maggie. I think cause she loves her sister and she doesn't trust anybody to be with her without hurting her. Okay. She doesn't trust anybody to be, without, uh, be with her without hurting her. Jaden, did you have something to add? Because she just met the guy. Because she just met, she says, you just met the guy. You can't marry him. But also, what does Elsa know about relationships? She has been in her room for years. How, what room does she have to talk? Solana. Because she's never been in a relationship, and she's been in her room, like, practically all her life. Okay. And then, Bailey, did you have something to add? Maddie, did you have something to add? Okay, so she says you just met the guy. And then we had Maggie said that she loves her sister and she doesn't want anybody to hurt her, okay? Could that be connected to when she hurt her? If she loves her sister so much, why did she stay away? Go ahead, Bela. That was kind of the point why she stayed away from her. Why? To keep her safe? Yeah, because she thinks she'll hurt her. But if you really, 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 really love somebody, wouldn't you find a way, right? We always say if you really love somebody, you would find a way and you would figure it out. So how bad does her fear have to be that she will not even try? And how great is her love for her sister that she would lock herself in the room and do, do anything to not hurt her? So everybody close your eyes really fast. We've gathered our facts. We know who our character is. We know what the key parts of her story are. We're going to go to the beginning of her story. And we're going to take a look at what her day looks like. Locked in her room. Okay? So she wakes up. She's completely alone. Nobody's come into her room to open her curtains. Maybe her room is dark. The dark makes her kind of sad and feel alone. Her room is pretty cold because her power is ice. Maybe she leaked out some ice in her sleep. Imagine just being completely cold and completely alone. And suddenly you roll over and you have a stomach ache and it hurts really, really bad. And all you want to do is call out to your mom to get you some medicine. Because that's what we all do. We ask mom or dad for medicine when we don't feel good but there is nobody for you to ask. You are completely by yourself. You have to take care of yourself because you can't let anybody else in your room. So you get up, your stomach still hurts so bad. You go to the door and you say, can somebody please help me? And there's no answer because nobody's walking past your room yet. 
And you think, well, I, I could go outside of my door, but if I do, I might hurt somebody. So you wait and you stand by your door for hours in pain. You're just curled up on the floor. You can't even stand anymore waiting for somebody to walk by to ask for medicine. Open your eyes. That would be like a normal day for her. Something goes wrong and she literally can't ask a single person. Imagining a day in the life of your character is what we call imagination work. And it's way effective if you do it for a longer period of time and you think about your full day, but I don't want you all to literally fall asleep on me on Zoom. <laughs> so did, did, did any thoughts cross your mind while your eyes were closed? Does anyone want to share anything besides like, I'm tired or I want a snack? Like, how would it feel if you were in your room by yourself and nobody could help you? Like, how would you feel? Go Solana. You'd feel like sad. You'd feel really sad. Bored? She's probably so bored all the time. Maddie. Um, she kind of feels like help hopeless. Like, um, I recently I had made I had major stomach pain, so I feel like I'd be able to relate to that. <laughs> it's like <laughs> so like so she does like kind of feel helpless, like she can't do anything about it. So she kind of just wants, she just wants it to end. She like, that's just it. She's done. And nothing to look forward to, right? Because she has no reason to believe that her life is ever going to change. Right? Mallory. She, would be, she probably is very miserable. Very miserable. Yeah, that's true. Bela. If I were Elsa, I'd feel awful because, like, I know there was someone out there who could help, but they couldn't come to me and I couldn't go to them. Yeah, to know that you could get help, that's, that's an extra bad feeling. Have you guys ever, like, maybe procrastinated on some homework or something? Or, like, on studying for a test or cleaning your room? Procrastinated on something you needed to do and then procrastinating made you feel really bad. Procrastinating, if you don't know, is when you don't do it and you put, a, put off doing it, AKA the story of my life. Um, so you procrastinate and it feels really bad. And then has it ever felt extra bad when you like beat yourself up about it? When you're like, if I just sit down for two seconds and focus, then I wouldn't have to be stressed. I wouldn't have to feel like garbage. I would feel so much better. Has anybody ever felt that way where you're like, man, I cause my own problem. This is the worst. Do you think Elsa ever felt a little bit like that? Yeah, like she's causing her own problems. And she has the fear because she's never talked to anybody. So we, when we're creating a character and we're going to do it again with another character, we get our facts, the explicit and implicit information. We get creative with connections of maybe why we think certain things are happening. And then we do some imagination work so that in our mind... We get a feel for what their emotions might be like. That's our third step. So I'm going to take another princess and I want you guys to walk me through it. So we're going to take Mulan. So facts, where does Mulan live? Where does she live? Solana. China. Mulan lives in China. When did Mulan live in China? 
like now or like a long, long time ago? You don't have to like give me a year. This isn't a history class, I promise. Maddie. A long time ago. A long time ago. So she lived in China a long time ago. And I already told you as girls, we don't even really usually need to look it up. Pretty much anywhere in the past, even in the United States, your go-to is always that you're not allowed to do anything. So when I ask you, what would, what would it be like to be a girl in China a long, long time ago? Not even Mulan, just a girl. What do you think your life would be like? Do you think you would have a great life? Do you think it'd be a little bit hard? What do you know or what do you think about China a long time ago? Solana. And then we'll go Anna. It'd be really hard, especially if you had, like, kids that you need to feed. And, like, you don't yeah. have a husband. If you were a mom without kids, okay. Or, I mean, with kids try without a husband to help you, that's right. Um, Anna? I think it would be, like, really frustrating because you would want to do, like, you'd want to go do something. You'd, like, want to vote one year or you want to go buy this piece of property, go, like, buy a car, and you couldn't do any of that. Like, literally, you could do nothing. That's right. Keep going. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, you're good? Okay, so you're not allowed to buy anything. Also, by the way, you're really not allowed to go anywhere by yourself. You have to have a boy take you everywhere you go. Poor Jaden, you're just going to get picked on. It's like the girl hour. (laughs) We'll do a boy character next specifically so that it's not just about women being empowered and how much boys suck in history. Um, Maggie. (laughs) Um, If you did have like boys, sons, or a husband, they would get drafted for war, but you wouldn't because you were a girl. So I think that would be nerve-wracking, like not knowing if they were alive. Yeah, um, I don't know if any of you have ever had any relatives in the military, the Navy, or the Air Force, or maybe like policemen or firemen, or any type of job where it's like a little bit dangerous. And I mean, you're all kids, but just because you're kids doesn't mean you don't feel things. So you probably know if you do what it's like to be a little afraid, maybe that somebody's going to get hurt on the job or not come home. That's a really good point, Maggie. Uh, go ahead, Anna, and then we'll do Solana, unless you're just resting your arm. Oh, no, I just, I had a, I, my, my dad's dad was a, an Air Force pilot. Mm-hmm. Uh, my husband worked hazardous waste removal. And so every day he was climbing into giant vats of like broken things that could kill him like every day. So that was not fun. So Lana, did you have something to add or are you just resting your arm? You raising it? Um, resting it? My uncle's a policeman. Yeah. My uh-huh. uncle's a policeman. Go ahead, Maddie. My so oldest brother actually was dipped off into the ocean because he was in the Navy. So definitely can relate to that. Yeah, Bela will be my last one that I see, and then we'll keep going with our character analysis. I think it was my great great um, grandpa who was in the military. Yeah, he didn't really like to talk. Yeah, a lot of them don't like to talk. And I never got to meet him. I've just well, and another thing would be historically, pretty much they're always at war with somebody, right? So war is a big thing. So if I was going to play Mulan or Jaden uh, Shang or the Emperor or something like that, I would really have to think about war, which is so tough and hard. Pretty much any story you can think of, we can we can get dark with it. We can get gritty. 
So war is present like every day. And all of you are fortunate enough to have not really lived in a time where um, you had to think about war all the time. But whenever your country is in a war, that's all anybody talks about all the time is how the war is going. How are you supporting this? How are you not supporting that? Do your part, fundraising, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So Mulan had to deal with war. She had to deal with being a woman and really not being allowed to do anything. Any more Mulan facts? Did she have siblings? Yes or no? She did not. So if she was the only daughter, was there a future for her family? Like, can, can parents work forever or do they eventually get old and somebody has to help them out and take care of them? Somebody has to help them out and take care of them. How would it feel if you were not allowed to take care of your parents? If you just had to watch them get old and die and you weren't allowed to get a job to take care of them? Oh my gosh, so upsetting. You see, we can just keep talking forever. What are some more facts about Mulan? Go Bryn. Um, her father was hurt and he got drafted in the war. So she went instead. Yes. That is our big, uh, our big conflict. Um, also, I don't know if many of you caught it, but her father was a war hero. So it is implied when they say like, you're Faju's son, that like Faju, her dad is somebody like kind of a celebrity in the war. So that's some, an example of some implicit information. So her dad is a war hero. Go ahead, Solana. She had to be really brave, especially to be the only woman in the army. Uh, yes. Okay, so oh, let's talk about those facts. So were women allowed in the army? No. Were women allowed to do anything? No. Do you know what the punishment was for a woman who, they tell us explicitly the punishment for a woman that tried to do something she wasn't supposed to do like that would be death. She would literally be killed. Those are what we call, in acting, high stakes. High stakes mean that uh, your stakes are like what you're going to lose or gain. So high stakes means you have a lot to lose if something goes wrong. High stakes are very good. You can write that down as well. When you do your imagination work, if you can create high stakes for yourself, the more dramatic and high stakes you can make things for yourself, the better your performance is going to be, the more you're going to bring to the table and the more you're going to have to show people with your acting. Let's all take a stretch. Do, 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 do. Do, 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 20 minutes left. Thank you, moderator. Okay, let's get to the creative part. So she's a girl in a world where girls aren't allowed to do anything. Her dad was not only a dad, but like a war hero. So that's like Uberman, right? If you're a war hero, then you are a tough man. You are a man man. But was her dad like mean to her and disappointed in her? No. So she actually had a really supportive dad. So then that makes it worse because then your dad is telling you you're awesome and you have things that you can do and you're amazing. And then you walk outside your door and everybody tells you no. Have any of you ever been told no? Like you really wanted to try something or you really thought you were good at something and somebody just tore you down and was really mean to you? If you haven't, God bless you. And I hope that your life stays that way. It really stinks. So in my imagination work, when I'm imagining what it's like to be Mulan, I would close my eyes and imagine what it would be like for my home to be really supportive. I'm trying to go short because we're running out of time. 
And then for me to walk outside my door, and I would imagine the actual things people would say to me. Because then emotionally and mentally, that really helps me with my character development. I would do imagination work about a day in the life where I actually get to hear all the mean things people are saying about me. Okay? Do you think that anybody ever tried? Oh, okay. Ooh, ooh. I could just go forever. I could do a whole dissertation. So, okay, you're a girl. You have nothing to give your family except to get married, right? Like, that's your only value is to get married. So then we get to that song. You'll bring honor to us all. What is that? Why is that important? Why does that matter to Mulan? Does anybody have an idea? Why does that scene matter a lot, actually? It's more than a funny song. Go, Anna. Because it makes her feel better because she thought she could do nothing, but they're saying you can do this to bring honor to us. Yes. So everybody tells you you can do nothing, and then one day they say, hey, there's this magical thing. You're going to go to the matchmaker. All your problems are going to be solved. You are worth something. You have value. And she's like, yeah, yeah, let's go. Let's go. And then what happens? She ruins it. It all goes wrong. So in, for you older kids, as a process, in my journey for my imagination work, I would literally take a day or two, just imagine myself before the betrothal ceremony, before seeing the matchmaker, I would imagine the actual day of the matchmaker and the excitement leading up to it. I would spend a whole nother day on how everything went wrong and all my happy feelings got destroyed. In writing, there's a phrase called kill your darlings which means that you think you have really good ideas, but sometimes you have to cut them. In acting, we have to kill our darlings. It's really effective when we give ourselves positive things that we love and then we rip it away. So you would give yourself a lot of positive, happy feelings that you're finally going to have some worth to your family. And then you would tear it all down. Bring on the depression. Bring on the sadness. Bring on the disappointment. Because then that puts you in a perfect place to do something drastic like, I don't know, join the army and run away. And then that's perfect. And then you're really good in the army. And then that gets all screwed up too. You could go forever in this endless cycle. Okay. Let's do, uh, ooh, what, how many minutes do we have left? 15 minutes. <gasps> Jaded. <laughs> boy characters have journeys too, I promise. A lot of things that help with boys is uh, like your position in society as well. But it's usually based around like your job or your expectations. So traditionally boys are supposed to be super masculine, super tough, work hard, feed the family. That's been like tradition through history. And writers love to write about people who are different. Billy Elliot, that boy was a dancer. Even if you want Bonnie and Clyde, that boy was a criminal. Wild Party, that boy was a clown. Simba, that boy did not, he wanted to be king, but not for any of the right reasons. He was not the ideal. Okay, you could go on and on about how the men don't meet the expectations and they're different. Your fourth step. So we did facts, right? We got, we got to get our facts down. What was my second step? I don't even know. Your final step after your imagination work is to get it in your body. Because what use is it if it's in your head and nobody sees it? Now, should we judge a book by its cover in real life? Like, should you look at somebody and be like, I know everything about you based on how you dress and how you walk and talk. No, it's not nice. It's not a good idea. But on the stage, that's all we have. And on the screen, you have to show your audience. 
And if you did all your imagination work, you can come up with things like, does my character have a lisp or a stutter? Is my character really proud? Would they walk this way with their chest out? Would they walk hunched over? Do they have any type of disability? Do they have any type of limited mobility? When we did Beauty and the Beast, our beast had a robot arm because we were doing steampunk and a robot leg. And so I made that boy walk around with his arm and his leg out of commission because it affects your life when your body behaves differently, right? Um, another example of show, don't tell. Which is more powerful? So if I go, give you, if I go to give you a high five and you flinch, that just told me a whole lot about you. That told me that maybe you've been bullied, maybe you've been beat up before, and that's like really powerful versus at some point in the show, you just say, oh, I've been bullied before. You want to show me something powerful about you. So you want to take who you are, your history, all the gorgeous, beautiful little details and nuances that you created for yourself, wear it like a suit of armor, and then step into the world that you're supposed to be in for the show. And if you've done your work right, and if you've been really thorough, then you'll start to get some things that kind of happen automatically and really weirdly. Um, when I, I did Hamlet, and they decided to make me a girl instead of a boy, traditionally a boy. This character named Polonius, and I assume a lot of you don't know a lot about Hamlet. If you don't, you will eventually. Unfortunately, in school, they'll make you read it. So this guy named Polonius, when he's just a guy... He likes to talk a lot, kind of like how I do in real life, but he sounds really annoying and really pompous. And he goes on and on and on and on and on. But because the director told me he wanted it to be a girl, I got to take a new spin. So all of a sudden, all of my monologues about all the things that my kids needed to stop doing, instead of being like an annoying dad who likes to just talk and talk and talk, I was a really overbearing mom who would just like murder for my children. I just wanted the best for my children. Like I would literally kill somebody for my kid. It changed the whole play. And when I got stabbed, because that character does get stabbed and die, usually people are glad that that character's dead, but they were sad that I died because we gave it a whole new spin. As an actor, you can do that. As long as it doesn't violate what's going on in the script, you can do that. Do you guys want to throw out any example of a character and we can talk about how we can analyze it? Think of me a character from anything. From a book, a movie, a play, a musical, a show. Go ahead, Anna. How about Snoopy? Just for fun. <laughs> what? You're going to do a rehearsal now? Darn it. Okay. Okay. Well, okay. I'll ask you, Snoopy. Uh, what kind of a world does Snoopy live in? In the world of our show? He lives in a doghouse. He lives. Yeah, he lives in a little neighborhood with a lot of kids, a lot of younger kids. He lives in a doghouse in a neighborhood with a lot of younger kids. Do we see a lot of grown-ups in Charlie Brown, usually people? No, we do not. So we're going to assume in this world that we're living in, because each world has rules. In this world, the grown-ups are not a part of it. Or if they are, they do the wah, 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 wah. That's all the grown-ups in Charlie Brown do. So the kids are their world. Are kids really great with pets? Are kids super responsible with pets, naturally? Or are they a little bit annoying? Do they maybe pull on Snoopy's tail sometimes? Do they maybe forget to feed Snoopy sometimes? You think maybe Snoopy has had to learn to take care of himself a little bit? Right? Maybe. 
And in a Charlie Brown Christmas, which is the show we're doing, Charlie Brown gets on Snoopy about being too commercial. But you know what? Why do you think, why do you think Snoopy might want to win some prize money? He's decorating his doghouse. Charlie Brown is like really mad at him because he says, you know, you're being too commercial for Christmas. So what could be Snoopy's motivation? Why do you think he wants to win prize money? Always ask yourself why. Let me click and make sure nobody, okay. We'll do, we'll do Lauren and then Solana. Well, I think when prize money is to like probably afford something to like to get something probably okay okay usually when we want money it's because we want to buy something right yes bailey you may um who else had their hand up solana do you have something you want to say solana Okay. Um, so we have said now that Snoopy is decorating his doghouse. Snoopy, Snoopy has learned to be self-sufficient. We have decided in our five-minute character analysis because the kids don't take care of him very well. They don't play games with him. So he has to make his own fun and take care of himself. And he wants this prize money. Could he maybe want the prize money to take care of himself? Maybe Snoopy needs a new dog dish. Maybe that thing's got a hole in it and it doesn't hold water and he's sick of being thirsty all the time. Even a goofy character, it's got to be serious to that character. The rule of comedy is that it's never funny to you. If you break down laughing at yourself on stage, people will never find it funny. The more deathly serious you take it, the funnier it's going to be. So Snoopy needs to be deadly serious about decorating that doghouse and winning that prize money. The more serious Snoopy is the more fun we're going to have as an audience. What's another character? Pick anything. Jaden, you want to pick a boy character? <laughs> He's like, don't make me talk, please. Um, Charlie Brown, maybe? <laughs> we're going to do this in rehearsal, people. All right. Charlie Brown. What are some facts we know about Charlie Brown? He's a loser. He's a loser. Another rule of character development is that you, you would say he thinks he's a loser or maybe other people think he's a loser because that's how he's viewed, right? So, okay, other people view him as a loser. That's called a generalization. What makes him a loser? You have to get really, really specific. Go Solana. He has no friends. He has no friends. Linus is his friend. Well, like one friend. Maybe he feels like he has no friends? Go, Anna. He feels like everything he does goes wrong and everything he does turns into a disaster. He thinks everything he does is wrong and everything he does turns into a disaster. So then my job as the person creating Charlie Brown is to think of a time when I did something wrong and it was a disaster. And if I'm saying everything goes wrong, then I need to do it a bunch of times, right? Because... That's my evidence. If I say everything I do goes wrong, then I would think about everything I've ever done wrong so that I have that nice, deep-seated embarrassment just as a part of my soul. Because Charlie Brown is not a very confident dude. Go ahead, Bela. Charlie Brown kind of thinks he's like um, a letdown and he likes the decisions he makes and then like 
three seconds later, he's like, I should not have made that decision. Um, I like the word letdown. He thinks he's a letdown. So since you're Sally anyway, Charlie Brown, if you don't know, has a sister named Sally who is very smart, very adorable, and very confident. She's pretty much like her confidence is the opposite. Charlie Brown has the lowest confidence in the world, and Sally 100% knows who she is. Do any of you in your life have experience with either being or having or maybe seeing other people this way um, where one sibling maybe gets a lot more attention than the other because they're louder or um, smarter or maybe they're maybe it's you and it's because you're the dramatic one and you're always making everybody come watch you perform everything, Right. I think a lot of kids know what that's like to be, and it doesn't even have to be in your family. It could be in your class where you've ever felt like, oh, I'm not really getting attention. Do you think Charlie Brown gets a lot of attention from his parents when he has a cute little sister who's like not afraid to just be cute all the time? No, because we all love little cutie children. Everybody goes, oh, how sweet. Even if they're secretly evil, we all just think they're sweet and adorable. So then as Charlie Brown, I would think about what a day looks like in my house, with my parents giving my sister all the attention, with my parents maybe giving me Snoopy as a gift one year, and then Snoopy doesn't even like me. Like, my parents were like, you're finally going to have a friend, and then my friend doesn't even like me that they bought for me. It's my dog's job to like me, and he doesn't even like me, right? Do we have another character before we run out of time? We have, like, five minutes. Go, Solana. Simba from The Lion King. Simba from the Lion King and we could talk about him forever so some things we know about Simba are that he's like next in line to the throne we also know that he's a little bit of a does he like take his job very seriously as the little prince lion no he does not what does he do he plays around all the time (laughs) she's like I love Simba me too but he is not doing a good job at being a prince when he is a little cub at the beginning of the movie All he does is play around all the time. And then what happens? His dad dies. And then he's in charge. Well, later, after he runs away. I'm not going to walk you through his dad's death. That would be too traumatic. But I would take the conflict in the story, and I would create a memory for my character that has to do with the conflict. So what happens? He doesn't take it seriously. Maybe his dad is always saying, Simba, you have duties to attend to. Simba, I really need you to come to this meeting. Simba, I really wish that you wouldn't run away. I need to teach you how to take charge of things. And then I would contrast that with my dad literally died and now I'm in charge and I have no idea what I'm doing. So you want to create memories that specifically relate to the key points in your story. Do we have questions before we end? We only have like five minutes. Questions, comments, concerns. I know I sped through a bunch of stuff. Let's just recap. We go over the facts, right? We find our implicit and our explicit information so that we know where we're working from. We think about the history, the location, the time, who we were. If that doesn't exist, I get to create it. It's extra fun. Like if it's not in a real place, if you're playing like a monster or something that doesn't exist, that's extra fun. Create my world. I go backwards. I think about all the things in the play and I do what's called reverse engineering where I take the end product and I go backwards and figure out why it happened and how it got there. Then I get it in my body. I make it physical. I do my imagination work. 
And I walk through the show doing my imagination work and think about all my feelings and I go as detailed as possible. And that was my rant about character. And I could do a three hour thing, but that would kill us all. But here we are. Thank you for being here today, you guys, you ladies and, and dude. I appreciate all of you being here. And I think we're out of time. Do we have any questions for Miss Haley? They're like, no, we just want to be off Zoom. <laughs> okay, I'm going to drop our website address in the chat just in case you want to go visit artsandlearning.org to see all the other cool stuff that we have going on. And I'm so excited that you all joined us today. I hope you all feel like you learned something about developing a character. Anna, do you have a question? No, it was just something fun that I wanted to share. Like, is that okay? Okay. My birthday's tomorrow. Happy early birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to Anna. Happy birthday to you. That's not what my real singing voice sounds like, I promise. So let's just see a show of hands. Who feels like they learned something they didn't previously know about developing a character today? Go ahead, Bela, then we'll go Maggie. Those are all the hands I see. You don't have to tell us what it is. I just want to see who thinks that they got some new goods today. Something that you can take back and actually use in characters that you're developing. I got one and that's not bad. I'm happy with that (laughs) I All think right. I learned lots of things from this. I, I didn't really think that you could just create what, basically whatever you wanted of the character. And Within the context of your script, though, right? It has to be right for the script. So I think you can all be free. And uh, Miss Deborah wants everybody to know that we have another master class coming up in November. It will not be taught by me. If you did not like this, it will be somebody else teaching something else. <laughs> so I was just about to get to that. So our November masterclass is being taught by someone named Silala Brock, and she is an amazing Broadway actress who is going to come and talk to you about your audition toolbox, the skills that you need and the things that you bring to a successful audition. So that's going to be super great, and we're really excited. And that one's actually going to be a 90-minute class because she's got a lot, a lot of information for everybody. So there will be information up very soon on our website about that, and it will be coming to your emails as well. Thank you for being here, everybody. All right. Thank you so much, everyone. I'm going to hit this stop.